Hello everybody, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour for this Family Tree Podcast, episode 42. Boom. How do you feel? I feel great because we have some awesome guests tonight. First of all, somebody that I feel like I'm kind of friends with, but that's just because I'm always, you know, stalking her Instagram and things, but that is Shireen Jupp. She's the founder of Mother Muse Magazine, which has been glamorizing and beautifying pregnancy and motherhood in, I think, a really gorgeous and relatable light. I was just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Check out Mother Muse if you haven't. Check out Shireen. She is wonderful. She's an incredibly hard worker. And after Shireen, we're talking to Chloe Brookman, and she is the owner of Aliella. And for those of you who don't know, Aliella is a really fantastic, sustainable, and ethical baby brand. They make really cute toys, clothes, clothes for moms. And we're going to talk to Chloe about how she got started and what it's like being a CEO and balancing motherhood. Another Australian. Another Australian, oh man. What do you mean, oh man? Well, these the Australian interviews have been notoriously hard. They are hard because there's a 14-hour time difference. And her accent was a little tricky for me. I won't lie. I had trouble understanding her. Well, hers is interesting because it's a mix of Australian, American, and like from the UK, Mm -hmm. I think. So she's got a really cool thing going. Uh, But yeah, they're great conversations and we hope you guys enjoy them. But Shane, how are you feeling this week? Well, it's been a bit of a hectic week. I mean, you said you were feeling good just now, but you've been barfing all week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've been barfing, not all week. I've been barfing since last night. Well, so, every Friday we get pizza. Yes. And every Friday you barf. Okay, it is my worst nightmare. Like, am I allergic to pizza? This is the third trimester of my nightmares, being allergic to pizza or whatever I am. But every time I eat it, like, I think I'm fine. I have a few slices. And then a half hour later, my head's in the toilet and... Like everything is coming out of me and it has really impacted the way I felt. And like today I've been drinking Lucy's Pedialyte that I had. All Does Pedialyte stuff. taste good or no? Yeah, it tastes like apple juice. It's amazing. Oh, I want some. It's very delicious. And I think that's been helping me a little bit, but I just want to stay hydrated and make sure baby's okay. But yeah, it's been pretty awful. And we had a bit of a false alarm during the week where I actually thought you were going into labor. And that's not even the first time because this happened like three weeks ago too. It's been it's been scary. So this like is- I'm feeling good right now, Shane, listeners. But there have been, there have been moments in the week. And you know, it's it's made me realize like one, I am not prepared at all. Because I feel like before I had a bag packed at this moment. Yeah. I kind of we had a game plan. There's no bags packed. The house is a mess, and I'm pretty much just doing my work day most of the time feeling like another child isn't imminent. Right. So, But that being said, as cool as I think I've been, I had a total panic attack. The second (laughs) you said, oh, I might be going into labor, I was in the middle of sending a bunch of work emails. So I send off three very important work emails in about 15 seconds, rush over to you, and then it ended up being a false alarm, long story short. I went back to my desk, looked at my sent folder. Every email did not make any sense. It wasn't answering the questions people were asking me. And it, <laughs> it was just like, it was like I had a seizure. My brain totally shut down. So I have like 
the worst type of fear because it's subconscious. Yeah. So when when it does happen, I panic. But when it's not, I'm not panicking and not preparing for the child. And and really, we should have taken that instance and we should have taken the instance like three weeks ago as an opportunity to prepare and to get bags packed. We are not moving on to Monday, Shane, in our regular work days until we get bags packed, by the way. Is this a bad time to tell you I don't think I'm ready for another kid? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's nothing we can do about it. So, I mean... It's not a bad time. It's just kind of sucks for mm-hmm. you, I guess. But don't worry if it makes you feel any better. I have those thoughts come up 10 times in the day. And then also 10 times in the day, I have thoughts like, oh, I can't wait for another baby. But yeah. then, you know, I'm thinking that usually when I'm at moments of peace and rest, and then when I kind of walk around the house and I look around the house and there's, you know, a laundry pile that's taller than Lucy and things everywhere, dishes everywhere, then I'm like, holy shit. I'm I'm not ready for another baby. How much is a butler? Like, could we do a butler? I don't think we could do a butler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do I don't butlers think still exist? I don't know. I never hear about butlers anymore. I only hear about nannies. I never nannies. hear who has a butler. I'd love to know. I feel like I'd be more comfortable with a butler than a nanny. If we got a butler, could we put him in one of those tuxes? He'd have to wear one of the tuxes. I'm not having a butler who's just in like sweatpants. <laughs> hey, what's up? What do you guys need? But can no. you? <laughs> he needs a British accent. He needs a tuxedo and like a really long tail at the back. Like Jeeves, not animal tail. Yeah, Jeeves. Essentially, yeah. No, but honestly, it has been a scary week. And the time that Shane's talking about from earlier, it was terrifying for me because I was getting these crazy Braxton Hicks and trying to control them. But at the same time I was getting those, my lower back was hurting and I was getting that intense pelvic pressure that like we've talked about so much on this podcast. So I got in the bathtub. I was trying to like you know kill the time and essentially see what was going on is this another like we need to warn people type? no 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 but uh yeah and that's when i was kind of freaking out to shane and he kind of started freaking out too and it was it was scary but didn't you say you were feeling up around that area okay i wasn't gonna bring it up oh i thought you wanted to talk about that no i was just telling them about when i when we thought I was going to labor again. Okay. But uh, the contractions went away. (laughs) Sorry. But on that topic, since Shane brought it up, I do have this innate feeling and I can't shake it and it's freaky that something is going to go wrong while I'm giving birth. And this is like the wrong way to go into birth and to go into labor i need to start getting what, myself in a better the feeling of doom complete doom <laughs> i like it personally I need, I need to get myself in a better headspace i need to start meditating or something but i feel like something's gonna go wrong because when i was last admitted to the hospital like what a month ago because i was having these intense pains on my abdomen wall they didn't do any tests all they did was poke around and ask where it hurt and then they kind of just sent me off and that felt odd but the pain cleared up and then it kind of came back this week a little bit but not nearly as intolerable as it was before and then I I was feeling around in there just because I wanted to see if anything was different because I again I was having these insane cervical pains and you have the for people who haven't been listening to our previous episodes you have the ability to feel our baby's head up there yeah she she actually wasn't so this week her head wasn't that low anymore so I couldn't feel her head but instead does she have a good head shape I think so okay, yeah. <laughs> but uh what I felt was 
which was really scary. Uh, and I'm curious if any other mothers have felt the same. I tried looking it up online and I couldn't find anything. Was, all right, so like against the back vaginal wall, there was uh, a really hard, seemingly long object, maybe a couple inches wide. And it felt like a hard braid. And I'm wondering, did was the pain in my stomach, maybe my placenta rupturing, and then did it all shift? And was that thing that I felt at the back, mm-hmm. the cord, was that the umbilical cord? And I'm freaked out. I'm so freaked out about and that. And you don't braid your pubes, right? <laughs> what? Honey, it's inside the vagina. Well, it can fold up maybe. You're, you don't know how this works. You okay, don't know how the anatomy works. <laughs> I don't. But uh, I'm here to learn just like a lot of other people. Listen. Yeah. So it was it was really freaky and it scared the hell out of me. And I've checked since and then it was gone. So my fear is that going into labor, I'm going to have this ruptured placenta and nobody knows until I'm, you know, in the middle of labor and then they realize that something's wrong and then they have to give me an emergency C-section or something. And I'm, I'm so freaked out about it. This is like uh, the sixth sense type of scary. You know what? We need... The, I see ruptured placentas. We need the woman who predicted my miscarriage. We need her oh, back no. on. <laughs> no, not that woman. Backstory. Uh, we used to just, at the beginning of this podcast, interview... My blog followers. Yeah. So people who followed your Instagram account, we would call them... And then I think the last time we ever did that was we got someone who said they were clairvoyant and said they could have predicted your miscarriage, mm-hmm. uh, which was a little unsettling, funny a little bit. But I think that's when we said, okay, maybe let's get like more. Not not that I don't believe in clairvoyancy, which I do not. But, <laughs> but it was just that we wanted more kind of know who we're talking to beforehand because I don't want you to freak out. Of course. Although I did enjoy that conversation. I did too, but I'm uh, just worried about you. Yeah. So I, I need to I need to look into this. But if anybody that is listening has experienced something weird and painful like that, please let me know because I am freaking the hell out. Uh, next thing, Shane, I wanted to bring up. Did you see our new restrictions for our city about COVID-19? No, tell me. Okay, so as it is, you have to social distance from everybody uh, outside of your household, right? But now our government is saying you can create a social bubble up to 10 people. We are kind of already doing that and we have been since the beginning of quarantine with my parents because I'm high risk having lupus and being pregnant. So to help us out with Lucy, my parents have gone into total quarantine just like us. Like none of us go to shops. We don't go to stores. We don't go to work. We don't see anybody. Like we are totally on our own, the four of us. Five of us if you count Lucy. However, because that wasn't really what was advocated, right? It was everybody was told to just be within their own household. They're now saying that you can essentially do what we do with my parents. With other people. With up to 10 people. However, here's where it gets tricky. The 10 people that you choose to be in your bubble Everybody has to be in agreement that they're only in that bubble. You cannot be in more than one social bubble. So that means that everybody in that, and they're saying you can hug and kiss and you don't have to social distance with those people, but those 10 people are not allowed to be within six feet of anybody else. Mm, It reminds me of that show Big Love. What's Big Love? Never mind. Anyhow, so I've been having conversations with my friends and it's been it's been tough because everybody's trying to figure out, well, who do I let in my bubble? Because if I'm going to let 
my parents and my brother or sister in, then they have kids. That already brings us to seven people. And then what about my husband's family? Like they want to be in a bubble with his siblings too. And it's, you can't combine families almost. Like it's, it's putting a lot of people in a weird position. It's almost weird that we have this new rule because it's so restrictive at the same time. But uh, so I think a lot of my friends anyways are thinking of just social bubbling with friends to keep it easier on family. Keeping track of that would be very tough and making sure that everyone within your bubble, you'd have to keep a really keen eye on them. Yeah. Because, you know, there'll, there'll be some bubble breakers. There's going to be bubble breakers. And and then there'd be conflict bubble and then certain bubbles will pop and then rebuild yeah uh so or the bubble will shrink and i I think it's going to tear a lot of friendships apart and then what happens if somebody in your bubble gets covid and then nobody admits to it so then you're trying to find out who the bubble breaker is within your bubble like it's hard yeah oh and the other rule is that if you are high risk or anybody in your bubble is high risk then you need to essentially do what we're doing and just stay to yourselves and what if you initially think you like someone who's in your bubble but then you realize you effing hate them as you get close to them and then you want away from them but you can't because you're already in that bubble and nobody has room for you yeah or then you'd have to leave the bubble and then be locked out of the bubble because that would be the way to not talk to that Mm -hmm. person anymore. so your sister just started dating somebody so they're obviously in each other's bubble and then your mom and stepdad brad were saying that they are going to go hug your sister today. And they're very excited for that. And I was so happy to hear that. This means that if they're going to hug her, they have to have the new boyfriend in their bubble as well. Yeah, it's hurting my brain, Alex. Oh, it it hurts my brain. Like I'm, I spent so long trying to read through this and trying to get a grasp of the rules. It's ridiculous. And my thought personally is 10 is too many because you can't control 10 people especially if they're working, going to stores, whatever. And I think we should all just remain social distancing because I think it's easy to be six feet away from people. Well, for some people, out. for some people, it's not. So it's, it's just because it's easy for us. Like there's so many other situations going on. No, I know. But that, that's just for me, like what I want to go forward with with our Yeah, family. I think what we're doing is great. It works for us. And everyone else is in a very unique position. Mm-hmm. And I always think for everything, common sense mm-hmm. is the best way to go. 100 percent and let's be as safe as humanly possible and you know if if breaking a minor rule is going to make you feel better and mentally Mm -hmm. feel like oh i'm seeing this person i really need to because my mental health is struggling i say that's worth it oh yeah me too so hey do whatever works for you because i just want everybody to be happy and healthy during this time period well you're a good man yeah i'm very uh wise i guess (laughs) Uh, you know if i didn't say it no one would uh are we gonna go to this or do you want more topics here no no unless you have one that's good but oh i wrote down and this is a bit of a complete non sequitur but i wrote down this and maybe this is for the question period but do you take too long with lou putting her to bed because i sometimes wonder what the heck's going on up there shane you take too little time with lou putting her to bed Oh, I'm glad you brought this up because I've been meaning to talk about this with you. No, no, I don't. Yes, you do. You're Why? you're up and down within five minutes. Because here's what happens. I take Lou up. I give her the bottle. She sucks in the bottle till all the milk's gone. Then she goes, sing, Daddy. I sing one song, the alphabet or Mr. Sun or whatever. Sometimes I make up a song. <laughs> when the song is done, I go, are you ready for bed? 
She goes, yes, daddy, I'm ready for bed. And sometimes she'll even say, ready for bed. Before I even start, before, <laughs> like your Lou impression. before I even start singing. It's like she's a gremlin. Then I put her down. I give her her two stuffed animals. I say, night, night. I love you. She goes, I love you, daddy. And that's it. Then I go down and check the monitor. Kids out cold. With you, it's like, I hear like, she'll be coming around the mountain. <laughs> then, I, then I hear the Titanic turning on. <laughs> then, then I hear the credits for a Titanic rolling. And then you're like, one more song, my love. And it's like, what the F are you doing? I, We've got Uber Eats waiting out front. I've eaten dinner, dessert. Then I'm starting to get hungry again. And then you come down and then I feel like a total a-hole. All of, right. What? All right. Sorry. A little Chill hyperbole out. there. He, a little hyperbole. I'm sorry. So I think it takes us about 20 minutes. and Us being you and Lou? Yeah. Lou and me and Lou take about twenty minutes. Why are her time. demands so higher with you than me? Well, I I enjoy it too. So we. I knew. She, I know that's the answer. It's because you prolong it purposely. No, well, because it's it's about you. It's not about Lou. It is about Lou. She wants me there, so I stay there. No, you are addicted to cuddling and being wanted, <laughs> and you feel like I don't provide that enough, so you're getting it from Lou. That's <laughs> that's maybe like one hundred percent. Shane, true. okay, it's one hundred percent true for maybe. 20% of it, okay? And the other 80% is because Lou is wanting me there and she's wanting to do all these things. And That's bullshit. So, so, so you're saying she wants you more than me, in other words? It, for bedtime situations, yes. All right, that hurts. <laughs> listen, oh, I guess I had to hear it out loud. Okay. Listen, no. She drinks her bottle. I sing her a song. I end up singing her 10 songs. And then I put her in the bed. And then we do this thing where we give either five kisses or ten kisses depending on you know how tired i am and then we go and we kiss through the bars what do you mean how tired you are well, if I'm how sleepy. long are these kisses no like if i'm sleep because it takes a long time because you go to go one bar oh through the bars then, okay. yeah, yeah and you make a game out of it so then you go yeah. through one then you go bar like, hopping five down oh that's a good thing to call it Thanks. and you know you mix it up a little bit and then yeah i put her down and then she always wants me now to stand up and sing her twinkle twinkle like looking down on her which is her her request as of last two weeks and then i'm out of there okay well she obviously likes it and she's even started a thing lately where she goes only mommy sings (laughs) you don't sing daddy so now she doesn't even like when i do the songs if i put her to bed so and it what's odd about that is you have a terrible singing voice (laughs) Singing I have a better voice. singing voice than you. So it's like, Lou, okay, I'll do what you want, but you're kind of missing out on some decent entertainment here. Well, why do you think, you know, I do stay 20% for me and for my own well-being? Because the only person on earth that can appreciate my singing voice is up in that room. Yeah, I think it's 80% for you, by the way. You got the percentages off. But anyway... <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. I just wanted to uh, see what was going on up there. Absolutely. Uh, but what, what are we saying here? We're going to go to Mother Muse first. Like I call her Mother Muse, but her real name is Shireen Jupp. And she's one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram. I don't follow many people in the maternity world, mm-hmm. but she is interesting because she actually goes head on at conflict. I love it. And I... And I don't mean this in an offensive way at all, but she was a lot more normal than I thought she'd be. Well, did you think she'd be like more feisty, more punchy? Yeah, or more, I don't know. It, this all sounds so offensive, but I thought she'd be a little bit more, not uptight, but less, I don't know. 
L- less warm, maybe. <laughs> yeah, less warm. I, I really, I like, I liked following her and I liked having this conversation with her. And let's get to that. But first, we are supported by Dove and the Dove Self-Esteem Project. So globally, over half the girls around the world suffer from low self-esteem, and that causes them, as I'm sure you've all experienced, to opt out of life activities and put their health at risk. And before you know it, they're actually believing all the self-doubt that they have about themselves, which they should not. And that's why we are so proud that we have Dove as a sponsor who has a Dove Self-Esteem Project. So the Dove Self-Esteem Project is the world's largest provider of self-esteem education. And it helps to teach the next generation to feel comfortable in their own skin by working with schools and parents. So what Dove has done is they've created and used educational evidence-based resources that are designed to help young girls and boys reach their full potential. They cover important topics like bullying and social media to help young people build a positive relationship with the way they look. Now, if you want to check this project out, which I implore all of you who are listening, especially if you have a young daughter, let's try to make some change here. Go to dove.com under the menu, click on the self-esteem project or just Google Dove Self-Esteem Project. Or if you're a person who likes typing in the exact perfect website, you can go to dove.com slash ca slash en slash dove dash self dash esteem dash project. And there you'll be able to download free resources, which are great for parents and teachers. I'm going to take the Google method, Alex. (laughs) But we are also supported by... By Bravado Designs. You know what? All what? this this is our fourth Bravado Designs read. It is. And I had to try one on all this talk <laughs> about how great it is. And let me tell you, it, you were right. It is comfortable. You put on my bra. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was gullible, but... <laughs> but I am influenced. Like everyone's saying, we have our neighbor across the street who loves her Bravado Design bra. So, so I, many of my friends have been DMing me that they bought them and they love them. Yeah. And I, I read it all to you. But I do get jealous sometimes when I cannot use a product that women can, especially if it's a very good product. Well, Shane, I'm sure it looked gorgeous on you because they look gorgeous on everybody. I didn't actually try it on Alex. Well, I'm sure it would look gorgeous on you. And I'm sure you would revel in the comfort because they are truly the most comfortable. So if you are a nursing woman or somebody that's pregnant right now, check out bravado designs because their bras truly are comfortable and i am so excited that they have a line now that's not just for nursing women and postpartum moms they have an everyday collection with no clips but the same comfort same support and that's only on, available on their canadian website which is correct ca.bravadodesigns.com and if you use the promo code this family tree 20 in the checkout shane what do you get you get 20 percent off but that's so obvious cha-ching and I always say you can't be 20%, but of course 30 would, but 30 would be just so greedy for someone else. It would. <laughs> so enjoy that. And now let's get over to that interview with Shireen. Awesome. Hi. Hey, Shireen. This is Alex and Shane from This Family Tree Podcast. Thank you so much for being here with us today. No problem. How are you? We're pretty good. Uh, We are excited to talk to you, though. So for those listening, Shireen is the founder of Mother Muse Magazine. And Shireen, the second I got pregnant with my daughter, Lucy, I started following Mother Muse. And I was so enamored with the beautiful images of motherhood that you capture. Like, they are absolutely incredible. Because everybody knows motherhood is, like, 
stinky and it sucks in a lot of ways yeah. <laughs> but you really thank you you really encapsulate the beauty even in those moments like you never shy away from talking about those things and you just you find the beauty in every aspect of it and bring that to your magazine so thanks for making thank it like you less daunting to have babies that means a lot yeah when I started the magazine it was just really important for me um for moms to like know that self-care and taking care of yourself and loving yourself is just as important and like that energy will be projected towards your children so if you love yourself and you're happy with yourself and you're taking care of yourself it creates a happier mom so that's kind of a lot of inspiration behind Mother Muse oh my god I get that completely and I, I see that in the pages of it and in the articles so what inspired you to actually put those thoughts into words was it something that you were going through or something that you saw from other people um it was kind of it was kind of wild actually because um <laughs> well with my daughter um when I felt pregnant it was obviously a huge your first pregnancy it, it's really intense like your oh body's God, going yeah. through all these changes and you just like you're like what's going on and I just felt like my pregnancy was a little challenging with my daughter I came like from the modeling industry and I struggled with an eating disorder for about 12 years right so watching my body like just change drastically was just it was quite a shock and then having her was very also it was a traumatic birth and it led to like issues with me breastfeeding. And so all of this kind of created a heavy postpartum depression for me. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard because the first few months, it's like that I was experiencing this huge loss of like, I don't know who I am, uh, you know, so focused on wanting to try to get back into the modeling industry and how unhealthy it was. And I kind of just had this awakening where I just was like, you know, I'm upset that there's no, like, originally my idea was, like, I was upset there was no fashion magazines that celebrated mothers the same way that regular magazines did. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wanted to put into life originally kind of just more of a fashion magazine catered to moms, but it grew into so much more than that because it's, like, so diverse and it talks about many aspects of motherhood. But the inspiration came from, like, my journey and it literally just came to a thought overnight and... I mean, my husband, like, he knows me really well. When I have an idea, I kind of just do it. I, like, leave. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to try, and we'll see what happens. And it was kind of something just for myself. And now it's this huge thing, which is really wonderful. And he's a photographer, too, right? So that, like, you having been a model and knowing the industry, like, the back of your hand, and him having been in the industry, too, that makes it kind of easy, I would assume. Like, was he helpful in that process? Oh, he's been amazing. Um, like, because he's a photographer. We actually met on a photo shoot. Uh-huh. So cute. <laughs> and uh, he was a photographer. And then I just think the experience of being in the industry, I was lucky enough that I had a lot of incredible connections with a lot of artists. And when I was, like, working on the first issue, like, no one knew about it. Like, only my husband did. And mm-hmm. even the people I was working with, I kept it on the down low. And no one actually knew it was my project. But I think it is, it's like if you can have a partner that supports you and is there, it's, it's a wonderful blessing because, I mean, he takes a lot of photos for me and then I also do photography as well. So we work great. I mean, there's obviously moments. Oh, of course. <laughs> where, Unavoidable. Where we're like, okay. 
but it's it's good. I love I love having him support me. Well, it's it's funny because actually we were talking about you in one of our most recent interviews. We had on oh, Valeria wow. Lipovetsky, <laughs> and she oh, is a cover model for you. So we were talking about yeah. Mother Muse because you had me and Mother Muse at, around this time last year. And yeah. we we were just talking about what a great magazine it was. And with Valeria, we were talking about like being creative with your spouse and how that can mm-hmm. impact your dynamic for the good and the bad. Because Shane and I, obviously, we do this podcast together. He helps me a lot with my online stuff. And it's mm-hmm. amazing, but obviously mm-hmm. can lead to like ridiculous creative differences and spontaneous fights, especially yeah. since like you live together, you're parenting together, you're working together. So like, how do you yeah. and Jamie deal with that? Because I follow your personal account too. And Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the whole COVID thing, like you were, you put out a video saying like, look, the home is my space and to have my kids here every day, my husband here every day, it's hard to work. It's hard to get in the right mental capacity. And then you kind of just had them leave. You're like, you guys just need to leave for the day. I got to get stuff done. Mm -hmm. And so like how, how has that impacted your process or your work with Jamie? With the pandemic happening, I mean, first of all, we are very lucky that we live in BC. So obviously I'm grateful in that part, but it, it's a challenge. I mean, we live in an apartment and it's a two bedroom apartment. So it's crazy because I mean, as soon as the pandemic had started was when I finally enrolled my youngest into uh, like a preschool for two days out of the week. And it was like, finally, like this new chapter for me, the magazine has been keeping me so busy. And there's just, there's so much that I want to do. And there's so much I want to create. Like even when I see some moms that are able to do even full like IG stories, like on their personal, I don't have that moment. Mm -hmm. My kids, especially my youngest, my son, he is a complete mama's boy. And even if I'm on my phone, with him, he'll push it out of my hand and say no phone. <laughs> so there's really like, there's really no break for me. And us both living, like all four of us in this apartment was, a, it's been a huge challenge. You know, my husband is actually still working from home. The company he works for, I think they're just keeping people at home right now right. because they can, which is really great. But there's no space. It's been challenging. I feel that me and him have a newfound respect for each other and he sees a little bit more of what I have to experience and having to balance work now watching both kids and then <laughs> not even having a place to even just relax and lay down. I mean, cause he's in our bedroom working. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's hard. And I feel so deeply for so many young families that are living in apartments during this because I mean, even having two toddlers and there being no backyard, you know, and not even being able to take them to a park right now because they're still closed. It's, yeah, it was crazy. So it's definitely like, I just feel like our relationship has grown a lot stronger. I feel, like I said, that I feel like he sees more what I have to experience. And I definitely feel like there's a lot more patience between each other. So, I mean, that's good. At least we're not tearing each other apart. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) We're just crying a lot. (laughs) That's the thing. And if you do, sometimes it's all healthy. It all helps you grow. It's good. Yeah. But I want to kind of bring it back to what you said about being in the modeling industry for so long Mm -hmm. and what you went through with an eating disorder and how that has kind of impacted what you want to disseminate kind of through Mother Muse. So, I noticed too, like you are not scared of 
you know, speaking your my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you like you're not scared of like coming back at people when they come to you with negative comments. And I I find that you get a lot, or at least you talk about them a lot. And it's just a reflection, I think, of being an open person online, an open mother online. Yeah. Because that comes with its its own stigma and everything about what mom should be. Mm -hmm. So. I wanted to know if like you get particularly feisty, which I love when it comes to things like body image. Does that stem from Mm -hmm. your background? Absolutely. Like I'm a very like I'm a very passionate person and Mm. I feel like there's two things. I mean, it's currently going on to the conversation about racism and it's like racism and feminism. Those are two things that I'm so passionate about. And when, you know, whenever I feel like with the body image, it's it's from my eating disorder for sure. And when I first started, like I really started my self recovery journey from my eating disorder, like last summer. So it's still very like fresh and it was really hard for me because I feel like with social media, the issue with social media is people assume a lot. Mm -hmm. And my problem is, is people have either an assumption of what they think my life is like an assumption of who I am. And the, part that breaks my heart is that a lot of the times those people that will say hurtful comments or say something regarding my body or whatever it like they don't know who I am and they don't know what I've been through mm-hmm. and you know some people call it defensive or passionate and I think it's just about standing up for yourself yeah. I mean when I was in high school I was severely bullied mm-hmm. and um, like that led that's like my eating disorder started when I was 15 and then after that after high school is when I got scouted um, for modeling and then that was really challenging because I am only 5'5 right so when I was in the modeling industry it's like I also had to be even more tinier based upon my height and it was this crazy unhealthy experience of you know being bullied and then in the modeling industry and then having this vision of like what perfection is that really makes me like want to stand up when it comes to body positivity and like women's rights I mean when I first started posting like my stretch marks from like on my Instagram like after my second pregnancy I it for me it was like an empowerful thing for myself it's like something that I needed to do to actually help me through my self-recovery but then I got backlash for it from people saying that because I'm a thin person that Mm -hmm. doesn't justify the body positive movement and that's not accurate right like it's just it's everyone has different definitions of like what streams to body positivity. And I know a lot of women that are my size have the um, expectation that they have to bounce back. And mm-hmm. that's not fair. So it's like I was speaking on behalf of a lot of women that feel like because they are thin or small that they have to have abs and like be perfect because of the way their body is shaped. And you don't see a lot of thin women promoting um, uh, like fourth trimester body and image yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't have an issue calling people out because I just feel like they're just not informed. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They don't have, it's like very ignorant and I'm probably going to keep continuing to <laughs> keep my mind. <laughs> people understand that I'm just very passionate about it. But I think it's important for women to stand up for themselves. Absolutely. I think, I think too, like people say that you don't have to defend yourself, but it's like, that's the problem right there too. It's like you sitting silently and it's hurting you. I think it's important for women to defend themselves because it's, we have a voice and it matters. 
Oh, 100%. Right. Yeah, it's weird. You're one of the only moms in the mother sphere that I actually follow. And I think <laughs> oh. I think a part of me is because I was bullied so much growing up that I clap back to every troll, every YouTube comment, every Instagram thing, and I can't help myself. But then there's mm-hmm. other people will say, oh, you know, just don't say anything. It's better to ignore them. And I'm like, no, I'm not letting these people get away with it. So I wonder what yeah. advice will I give to my daughter when she inevitably runs into a bully? Am I going to say, don't say anything? Am I going to say, no, you have to stand up for yourself? What things about yourself do you think you'll try to not pass on to your children? And what types of things will you try to pass on? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very important. Like I said, I think the when I defend myself, with the bullying that I experienced through high school, a lot of it I kept to myself, right? Because mm-hmm. if you want to fit in and, like, you want to sometimes stay silent, just not to mm-hmm. cause a worse scene. Yeah. And I feel that's why part of me now is just so vocal. Like, I just, I still can't believe bullying happens. To me, mm-hmm. that's oh, something insane. where I just don't, like, again, I just don't understand, like, how even adults bully each other. And for my daughter and my son, it's going to be very important for me to teach them to stand up for themselves and then also mm-hmm. just, just love themselves. When I was in high school, it was a particular style was in, you know what I mean? And, like, yeah. if you want you have to fit that type of criteria in order to be, like, a cool kid. And, and I want to make sure that, like, my kids get to be able to express themselves and that... You know, it's so temporary. High school is so temporary. It's just such a small fraction of your life. And obviously, when you're a teenager and you're in it, and it feels like it's forever. Oh, my God, yeah. But I'm just going to remind my kids it's not, and it doesn't define who you are. Because, like I said, it's only, it's just like high school. So that's like the, like, that's what I would tell my kids. Is just get through it, push through it, stay strong, and stand up for yourself because, I mean, that's the most important part. Right. And I had a question regarding, I guess, body modification. So when somebody, I've noticed you clap back sometimes when someone would accuse you of having done something to your lips because you have fuller lips mm-hmm. or your butt. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. is the reason you feel like you have to stand up for yourself there because you think there's an association between body modification and being inauthentic? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very like for me, which was really frustrating when I first started Mother Muse. I think it wasn't until like the eighth or seventh issue that I started to introduce myself on the platform mm-hmm. of the Instagram. And I used to get backlash from mom saying that I'm not a real mom based <laughs> upon the way I looked. And even say if I wore makeup in one shot, they said I would get comments about, you know, why are you wearing so much makeup? And in the summertime, last summer, actually, especially when I was doing my self-recovery, I posted a photo, like I posted a couple of photos with my daughter and I, we worked with a really cute mommy and me brand. Mm-hmm. And anyways, people like my, I was wearing a swimsuit and people were like, your butt photoshopped, or I would get that a lot. And then like also my lips. And it's just, it just like goes to show you that like society is so brainwashed to assume that like if somebody has fuller lips or you know um, that is automatically like lip infections, and I feel mm-hmm. like it's it's no there is no hate for people um, getting plastic surgery or doing whatever they need to do to feel great about themselves. But for me personally, I will get defensive if people call me out. Again, it's a thing of where I don't like when people make assumptions over social media. Because 
it's actually a way it is a form of cyberbullying. Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? Huge, and like yeah. that's again where I feel like it's important for me to stand up. It's like I it's like you can never win. It's like doing body positivity, you get backlash and then, you know, having like lips or a butt and you get backlash. Like <laughs> I just don't understand. It's like there's no <laughs> well, no matter what you put on the internet, there's gonna be a comment. I mean, as a model, I can only imagine like you are you know, selling whatever you're getting hired to sell, you're always putting on a production. So now this is your space. Like Mother Muse is your space that you created. Your personal Mm -hmm. account Mm -hmm. is your space. And that's your time to be authentically yourself. So to have people kind of in like intrude on that and, you know, accuse you of this, that and the other, that would be Mm -hmm. so infuriating. And I want to Mm -hmm. ask like growing up in the modeling world, is that something that you would you know, let your daughter get into if she ever showed an interest in it? Or would you try to keep her out of it because uh, of your experiences? See, that's a really tricky situation because, I mean, I do a lot of photo shoots right now with my daughter and mostly because of, the like, the pandemic, which has been really mm-hmm. challenging. My kids, like, they don't like to be in photo shoots. So for me, it's very triggering to see them unhappy and having to be part of photo shoots. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important. I don't think young girls should start in the modeling industry when they're still developing. Yeah. I don't like personally, I wouldn't want her to go into it. I mean, if she wanted to try it, I'm going to support her, but I will be honest with her about my experience and also just be very cautious that she expresses to me how she's feeling. If something wrong were to happen or, you know, she's starting to get triggered with her body image. I don't think, I don't think the modeling industry is that healthy. Mm -hmm. I know I see it developing, which is really wonderful, but from my experience, I don't understand why I even did it for so long and I would probably try to they know because it's it's not the best industry like it's not I mean it it, it really hurts uh, I think a lot of young girls and like agents sometimes just there's no um it's like very black and white yeah. you know right. what I mean so speaking of which actually that's a good segue my daughter's only two so this hasn't really come up yet but I think mm-hmm. in the next year or so she's going to start noticing skin color differences between people and stuff like how do you talk to your kids about race and you know the differences because in one way I want to say oh we're all the same but then it's like well there are certain cultural differences so it's it's Mm -hmm. I I don't really know how to describe race or explain race or when the right way and how of it all is Mm -hmm. like how do you do that that's again like just another subject I'm super passionate about because I am half Middle Eastern and half Dutch so being biracial I've experienced a lot of ignorance Again, that happened in high school, I think, still up to this day. And so for me, it's definitely a sensitive topic that I do get emotional about because, I mean, although I'm half Dutch, I definitely look more Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when I had my dad's last name, I mean, I've experienced not getting job opportunities based upon my my name because Mm -hmm. it's Middle Eastern. And I think that it is very, very important that we teach our children about race and equality. The problem is, is ignorance, right? And I think, I mean, I've, I've opened up this conversation already. Like I've been talking about it with Adeline. I mean, she's four now, but I've been talking to her about it since she was three. And I mean, I get her diverse toys as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really important to introduce skin tone and colors and not just get, you know, I hate to say it, but a white baby doll or like a white Barbie. 
like we have the opportunity now to like educate our children right away that our skin color doesn't define us, yeah. right? And I mean, Oliver, my youngest, he's two, and I'm still having this conversation in front of him. I mean, this morning I was in tears crying, and I mean, my kids came up to me in the kitchen holding me, like, and, you know, Adeline is asking, why am I sad? And I'm totally honest with my children because I want them to know this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we live, my husband is, he's white and he has blue eyes. And even when I became pregnant, it's like everyone was like, oh, I hope the babies get blue eyes. And it's like even comments like yeah. that. It's just like we have to really like open up the conversation that there's so much more than just your typical, you know, white American family. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and educating your kids by getting them toys that, like I said, are diverse, having the conversation with them watching even TV shows or getting books. It's such a simple thing. And children are great because they're so innocent. So they don't even know there's anything wrong with it. So it's like by introducing that to them, they won't, they won't see any difference. Right. Mm -hmm. And they'll want to be friends with people of color because the way you raise them taught them to be equal. And we are lucky that we can educate our kids. And I think it's also very important to just not even post it on social media, but when there is racism or you see somebody being left out based upon their color to stand up for that person, mm-hmm. even if they're a stranger, because those type of commitments make the difference yeah. Um, to yeah, equality. Yeah. Our daughter has a black baby and sometimes she will take the doll to grocery shopping out with us. And it's interesting the range of reactions we get uh, from mm-hmm. eye rolls, people looking at us like we're trying to be virtuous to, people being genuinely so happy that she does have that doll. People of color coming Mm -hmm. up and saying, oh, like, I'm so happy that she's not scared of it. And then the initial reaction is like, well, why would she be scared of it? And then it's like, right, because for so many decades, people weren't Mm -hmm. buying white kids, you know, baby Mm -hmm. dolls of color. And it's Mm -hmm. like kids are such sponges now too. And like in their young ages. And as a parent, you have the choice to – you know, kind of help them internalize information for the better or just to Mm -hmm. keep things status quo. And if we were Mm -hmm. going to not purchase those baby dolls, not make an effort, like she has um, little feminist books and they have like Rosa Mm -hmm. Parks little feminist books and things like that. And it's like sharing stories from people of all different races, all different nationalities and all different Mm -hmm. struggles, I think is so important Mm -hmm. too. And just the sharing of stories. And again, that's something Mother Muse does is you share stories, right? Yeah. And yeah, I do think that that is so important, not just for the kids, but for the moms and dads raising them to say, oh, shit, like, I haven't been doing this. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't been yeah. sharing other people's yeah. stories. I need to, yeah. <laughs> I need to start doing something different or else my kids are going to be like the white kids from 20 years ago and nothing is going to change. And it's difficult. It's funny because you keep mentioning high school and even Shane and so many of these things kind of take root in high school. And like my high school was almost entirely Middle Eastern. It's a Catholic high. (laughs) Yeah, it was a Catholic high school, (laughs) but it was was like white and Assyrian. And oh, awesome! But it's it's interesting. I just went to the world after that, thinking everybody was Assyrian, which obviously they are not. Uh, But it's just interesting, like. The differences you can have based on where you grew up, based on what your 
surrounded by. And is there... It's crazy, yeah. Is there, like, in Vancouver, I know there's a lot of people of Asian descent, and mm-hmm. uh, but is there much of a black population, of a Middle Eastern population, or are you and your kids kind of... Do you guys, like, stand out at all for that? Um, I feel like Vancouver is it's very multicultural, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. I mean, there is just, like, there's so much. And, like, again, like, this is where I just... I feel like we still we have to make strides for change because even in such a multicultural city, I mean, certain cultures divert to certain cities, right? And to me, again, that just is a separation of like us all blending in to be together. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Where we are, where we like live in the countryside, and it's a very like white um, Caucasian um, town. So mm-hmm. definitely, I would say like my kids and I have had a lot of the times. Again, like I keep saying the word ignorance, but a lot of the times people or elderly. Um, will like come up and be like oh you guys are so exotic are you like spanish or exotic. and it's just like the assumption <laughs> of like what our race is it's just like it's so funny even the word that, exotic like, happens. Yeah. is the word exotic offensive well it's it, 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 it insinuates that you're not from here essentially right mm-hmm. like it insinuates you're like you're some special thing that needs to be fetishized and that you're from somewhere else I think. but to me it's complimentary yeah, it's, if yeah. someone called me exotic i'd be so happy because <laughs> well, you're white <laughs> i guess yeah that's a good point. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting too because like my kids and i we have brown eyes too and like we when we first moved to the community we went to like white spot um and there was this older woman sitting there and Sorry, what is White Spot? White Spot's a restaurant. It's kind of like, oh, I guess you guys don't have that in um, Toronto, right? No. Uh, it's like um, it's like a breakfast place, I guess. It's like oh, so many people go there. I guess they do like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But okay. it's just like a little family restaurant. So it's like safe to bring kids, if you know what I mean. Because <laughs> bringing kids to restaurants are like out of the question. Absolutely. Um, like when we first moved here, sorry. And then we went to that restaurant. I like won't forget, like we were all like sitting and waiting for our seat. And... Like I said, there's a lot of white um, elderly people like where we're living. And this one older woman was like, oh, you guys all have such black eyes. And I was just like, what? <laughs> is this, what is this conversation starter? Like, like it's just like, cra- like, it blows my mind that like even like people who have brown eyes, like it's just it's so crazy. And like, again, it's like this is where like this conversation needs to continue happening because comments like that or assuming somebody's culture like it should not be happening still today there should it, just, it yeah. doesn't matter your ethnicity it doesn't matter what color your skin is it doesn't define who you are so i don't understand why people start conversations with that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then when it even comes to people who are like your your skin tone is still very light and it's like mm-hmm. it brings us back to the idea that not only should these conversations not be happening where like we're trying to play guessing games with people's ethnicities but when somebody mm-hmm. is clearly different, like they are a person of color, like they have like, mm-hmm. you know, brown skin, yeah. black skin, whatever, then the conversation yeah. and dialogue around that absolutely needs to change. It's yeah. hard too, though, when mm-hmm. their intentions aren't necessarily mean spirited, mm-hmm. you know, like I do, yeah. I do find ignorance annoying, mm-hmm. but if it's not yeah. rooted in a, a mean way. I find it way more tolerable, especially if the person's a little bit older and they're mm-hmm. trying to be kind, than if somebody's actually being mean-spirited. Yeah. yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's like a great opportunity to educate. Like when you get comments like that, it's 
it's a wonderful time to take initiative of like, you know, oh, actually, this is what my background is. You know, it depends on, like you said, the person. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a question about education. Now, you're an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. right? Like you would consider yourself to be that? And obviously, that doesn't take a higher level of education. Now, I'm not saying you're not highly educated because I I have no idea. But I personally (laughs) am, am not. But I consider myself a successful person. But I also have a weird value when it comes to schooling, which I don't value it as much as my wife, who's a, a high school teacher. She's an educator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it's it's tough with my daughter. It's going to be tough, I think, to really push school because I think there's so many different avenues where you can still be successful and lead a happy life. How important is schooling to you? I've always been raised that education is power. Like my, um, both my parents, like I said, my dad's Middle Eastern, my mom's Dutch and they're very old school. So they're very like my, my dad wanted me to be like a lawyer. So, you know, like school was very like important. When I graduated high school, I graduated at 17. I um, actually went straight into like a business program and then I took journalism and then also marketing. Mm -hmm. So it was like high school and then, secondary you know right away so like I feel like again it's something it's a conversation you're gonna have to have with your child like every child is different for me I wanted to maintain good grades because it meant a lot to my parents and you know it was stressful if I Mm -hmm. didn't do well Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like again like my parents were a little old school so they're like you have to get good grades um you have to go to college (laughs) so um but like I feel like if my daughter wants to explore something creative or my son like I'm going to be open-minded I know that we're lucky that we live in a time now where a lot of it's built on connections especially and being creative um you know doing tv or whatever a lot of it is connection based where I feel like sometimes like art school can be just a total ripoff because Mm -hmm. you end up just teaching yourself yeah so yeah, I think it's an, I think it's point. important to have to have an open conversation with your children when it comes to that stage in their life when they have an idea of what they want to be. Yeah, I think that you nailed it because my all of my pursuits were artistic and I just figured, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Let yeah. me just hop into the TV game here. And it was so easy with technology mm-hmm. at the point. Now, yeah. Your parents, like I'm, like there's the the stereotype that immigrant parents they want their kids to mm-hmm. be lawyer or doctor, and you said your parents were hoping yeah. you'd be a lawyer. Now, even though you've reached yeah. success, are they still able to be proud of you, given the fact that you've gotten success in such a, a a strange medium that maybe they might not understand? Yeah, they're so proud of me, and it's actually so funny because I still kind of tease my mom about this because my dad is self-employed so he actually owns his own business and he deals with like high-end art and collectibles and then my mom actually refurbishes like antiques and collectibles and paintings so they're like in such an artistic field so I was kind of like I was like well (laughs) obviously I'm gonna probably end up doing something similar in the arts since it's like in my genetics but um it's funny. I think like I'm really proud of like I feel like I've become super successful being self-employed because it was how I saw my dad work mm-hmm. and he worked so hard and just so knowledgeable and it was just so cool and interesting to see like his development with his business and now they both own a store. So, I think it's I mean it's kind of funny that like that's what they were they are doing and 
But, you know, again, it is, it is kind of like true, though. I think a lot of immigrant parents want their kids to have the education because, I mean, if you think about it, where they come from, it's not always the opportunity. So Absolutely. I think it's like parent good intentions. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like good intentions. They want you to feel secure because they don't want you to feel um, what they may have experienced. Mm-hmm. But I think luckily now... Um, I think more of them have become more open-minded. Yeah, and I will say, like, as the go-to education advocate in my family teaching high school, Mm -hmm. like, I personally feel comfortable pushing it if my kid is capable. If they're not Mm -hmm. capable and academics aren't for them, that's a different discussion. But if they are capable and it's just an issue of maybe them being Mm -hmm. lazy or wanting to do something else – Oh, hell, I'm going to push them because then they can get that foundation that, you know, if they want to get into something creative, artistic, whatever, off the beaten path, at least they'll have that foundation. They'll be able to present themselves intelligently. They'll be able to send emails with proper grammar. And then whatever they get into, they have that kind of foundation of knowledge. Do we Mm -hmm. pay for their education, though? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I want to go this is this is for both the ladies so (laughs) when i when i went to Kaplan university um when i went there my parents paid for it because it was a school they approved of Mm -hmm. when i decided to do something more creative um i went to like an art school to learn like fashion marketing which is interesting enough before i started mother muse like that's what i was actually doing but i did actually have to pay for my art my parents made me get a student loan and that definitely was a huge wake-up call and yeah like I think oh that's such a tough question because it's really challenging like I think like my parents paying for the university was really smart and I think that's right but the art school it's like that's such an elective in a way do you know what I mean I feel like if you want to explore that you pay for it because if it doesn't work out I don't want to have to deal with it it's a tough balance (laughs) because you don't want the child to get overwhelmed but you also don't want them to get lazy yeah it's it's so tricky um, like financial structure like I feel like financially it was a huge wake-up call for me because I had to like pay this thing that like literally sucked me dry like I I was like wow what have I got myself into (laughs) I like the route your parents took like pay for the foundation right like the initial secondary or post-secondary and then you're getting into fashion business anyway so learning about money kind of goes into that and like my parents paid for my tuition I worked for my like I worked through all of university like it was crazy like four or five nights a week yeah and I paid for my housing and my groceries and all my bills and my books however wow my parents I mean like they helped out a lot because then I'd be calling them I'd be like guys I'm working my ass off but I don't (laughs) have enough money and then they would yeah I was lucky enough that they'd help me but I I like the idea of paying for your kids if you yeah. can. I mean, mm-hmm. not all parents are in the if financial. Can, yeah. And who knows what financial position we'll be in in, what, 18 exactly. years. Hopefully you get enough yeah. on that. We can support Lucy. But if we're not, then we'll have to find a way, another way around it. But if you can, I think it's so good to kind of help get them started. Because then yeah, whatever job they get after that, at least it'll be a well-paying one. Right? Is that wrong? Not yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Well, you it could know. be. You hope, yeah. It could be. Any job could be well-paying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, but I had one last question for you. I've been watching your vlogs, and I noticed that you either joked or not joked about wanting a third child. Now, was that a joke or not? 
totally a joke. I am so <laughs> done with kids. <laughs> my husband and I were very happy with two because it like equals out. You know, me and him were saying like, we are, I guess, a well-off like middle class, right? But mm-hmm. we live in an apartment and if we had a house and like if it was a little different, maybe. But I also feel like I'm such a career-driven woman that... I I really want to just develop now. And I think having two kids is just wonderful because I know there is so much, like what's the word? There's so much um, like baby out there, right? Yes. And it just makes women just miss the baby phase, the baby phase. And mm-hmm. I kind of was into that for a bit because you do miss the baby phase. It's fleeting, but there's also just so, they're just, it's so cool watching them grow yeah. and like become these little people that it's like once you're done the baby phase, it's like you stop fantasizing about that and then you start like seeing a future for your kids. Mm. And I feel like a lot of the times young families end up having a third or more because of the fantasy of having a net baby. And that's also something I'm actually really trying to work on with Mother Muse because I feel it's really interesting seeing how low engagement is um, about moms and even photos with older children right. than it is with posting photos of pregnancy and a baby. And I think it's really important for us to like celebrate all chapters of motherhood. Mm-hmm. It, it really doesn't end. I still call my mom sometimes when I'm crying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I think, every, you know, I know this is a little off topic. Yeah, I just feel like um, a lot of the um, peer pressure to have more babies just comes from this fantasy that we see on social media. And, I mean, if you can financially afford it, I mean, great, have babies. But, I mean, also, um, you have to take into consideration, again, it goes back to the, are you going to be able to afford having them in the sports they want, yeah. the education, uh, like the dance classes, the time whatever they you. choose to do. Yeah, whatever they choose to do, you also want to be able to financially support that. And having kids is expensive. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> and I, I, I do think that is so great. And to kind of showcase motherhood from all angles, like you saying you call your mom when you're like upset or something. My mom lives mm-hmm. around the corner from us. And I call her five yeah. times a day about anything. Like it's, yeah. it's ridiculous, but it's so helpful. And I, I do think that that is something so worth celebrating. So I really love that. And Oh, totally. The journey of motherhood, like, never ends. And yeah. I think, like, we just need to celebrate that more in media as well because, mm-hmm. like I said, it surprises me that engagement um, mm-hmm. is so low for, like, older women. I just, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because, <laughs> like, she does – I feel like she does as much for me now – like as an adult as she did for me when I was a kid honestly maybe even more when it comes to like mental well-being preparing me for you know different situations I'm gonna encounter and it's it's super beautiful but I I wanted to know before we go what is the future of Mother Muse like in this quarantine period like how are you planning on getting Um, content for that yeah I mean, it's been challenging, not going to lie, like, um, because of my schedule has been so limited. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of taking it day by day. I mean, for me, Mother Muse, it's not about the money I make. It's about the community and the platform. And right now, that's what I'm focusing on. It's definitely changed since the pandemic has happened. I mean, I obviously am a small business. So, you know, there is profit with advertising um, mm-hmm. and supporting bigger brands, smaller brands, like whatever comes my way, you know, but with this whole schedule that's been going on, it's really hard for me to kind of balance it. I mean, I'm such a balanced 
scheduled person that like when it's all over the map, I just kind of have to just like cave. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm more a full-time mom and I work when I can. And that's why it was so hard to even arrange this podcast because (laughs) I'm coordinating with my husband's work schedule and it's constantly can change. So it's been hard. I can't wait till things go back to normal and I'll feel a rhythm again. But yeah. It is what it is. I just can't wait for things to hopefully get back to normal. <laughs> and they will, at least in some degree, soon. Uh, but we do appreciate hopefully. you taking the time for this podcast, Shireen. Uh, and oh, it was so fun! This yeah. was my first podcast, so <laughs> we're honored. <laughs> no, this is this is so amazing, and uh, yeah, I know we've communicated via email before with Ashley, the photographer, Ashley Classen from Toronto, yeah. who's also been on this yeah. podcast. But where can listeners find you, Shireen, if they want to check out your personal or your business account? So, like the best would be Instagram. So it would be at Mother Muse Meg, and then you guys. They can connect with me there. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And thank you yeah. so, so much. We hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. Bye. All Take right. care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. All right. So what did you think of old Sharini? Not old. She's, she's younger <laughs> she's, than me. So I think she's younger than me, too. Yeah. Uh, no, I love Young that. Shireen. I love that talk. And that's exactly what I was hoping for. See, so it's like me thinking that I'd get along with her just based on my internet stockage. I, I feel like I'm validated right now. So Lou likes you better at nighttime. You're bringing this up again? Well, I'm wondering, <laughs> does Shireen like you better or me, you think? Because I feel like I bonded with her a little bit in this I, You know what? I think you did well in that call. Let's call it a tie. All right. But moving on, we are going to go to Chloe Brookman. Of Ali Ella. <laughs> Good teamwork here. And this interview, I feel like... I was not at my sharpest. I was nervous because I knew very little about the company. I had a hard time understanding her. And for some reason, Australian is my weakness for understanding. I have a grandfather, had a grandfather with a very thick Scottish accent. I could understand every word. Australian's the only one I'm not great with. I I've been noticing that, that every interview with an Australian, you kind of take a back seat for, even if you are the one to choose the interviewee. I know. And I'm not proud of my skills here. And I will say, in interviews coming up, I'm way more on the ball. <laughs> my game is like, it's like A game. Here is D game. Please just be very grateful that Alex is here because she does a great job at handling these when I'm faltering. Sorry, you put Sorry, your no, hand up to well, stop me here. No, 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 no. My mistake. Sorry. Oh, because you heard a compliment. You're like, proceed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Alex is good. I'm bad. Anyway, let's go to that interview with Chloe. Chloe. I wanted to say it. (laughs) Chloe Brookman. Hello. This is Alexandra and Shane from This Family Tree Podcast. Nice to meet you. It is so nice to meet you. And I am so happy that this was our first try calling you. Calling Australia from Canada is no easy task. And <laughs> that goes beyond the time zone thing because it is tomorrow for us where you are. I know it is so confusing. You're trying to put three offices and trying to work out what time it is in each one. And like the day before and the day after, it's, it's yeah, it's mind boggling. <laughs> <laughs> and you are in Byron Bay, correct? Yes, exactly. Why? I don't understand how all of the cool makers that I follow on Instagram, that I follow online, that I love all end up in Byron Bay. <laughs> I know it is weird. I think it's a great place for companies to creative brands to set up because I think it's like very attractive in the sense that it's very sort of slow living. It's, you know, when you're in a city, you've got like very high rents. You've got, you know, you've got yeah. to have like 
a second job. If you've got a, a passion project, you need to be keeping another job as well just to, you know, survive in a big city. Whereas I think Byron Bay, because the cost of living is lower than it is in some of the major cities, it probably is quite appealing. And there's a lot of people from like Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane that have just sort of moved to Byron Bay. So it's not just like a, a country town where people are born and bred here. It, it seems to be like a place that people are attracted to moving to, you know? Oh, absolutely. So, Chloe, I started following Aliella about a year ago when my daughter was, yeah. you know, just starting to get into toys and I was starting to look for cool things to buy her. And I became so enthralled with your brand, your aesthetic, the fact that your company sustainably sources their materials, has ethical production, just things that I, I so value. And then when I started looking at your feed, it's like everything is such a dream. Your aesthetic is beautiful. And oh, it's this whole, <laughs> no problem, but it's this whole company that I totally admire. And I don't know much about its inception other than the fact that you started this with your sister. So I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So Olivia is my sister and we started Ollie Yellow as a passion project. We already had another company that we had started a couple of years before, which was an art gallery in London. Okay. And Libby comes from a marketing, sorry, Libby doesn't, Libby comes from an art background. I come from a marketing background. And so we opened up this little gallery. We wanted to have a creative project and you know, a couple of years in, we realized that it wasn't quite as creative. It was very sales focused. And so I was in 2009, I was pregnant with my first child. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking for a nursing chair that was contemporary, stylish. And back then it didn't exist. So we just designed one um, mm -hmm. and had it made. And we got loads of requests from friends to make them one too. And so we thought, you know what, let's design two more and let's just take them to a trade show and see if there's any interest there and so we did and you know we sort of slap bang the name together which is the combination of our two names and uh we got picked up by harrods on the spot and so we sort of catapulted into going from this sort of fun little trial product project to a company like in yeah. a very short period of time so that was in 2010 oh my goodness you know for the first few years it was very much like trying to figure out what we were doing and how to do it you know we didn't know very much about running a product-based business so there was a lot of trial and error I actually I have a question about that so not knowing yeah. A lot about business. I read yeah. it in an interview you did that you didn't go through college and I'm so interested mm -hmm. in alternative kind of modes of education whether it's through experience or through academic learning. I'm a teacher so for me academics are yeah. huge and for my husband Shane he didn't go through yeah. college either yet he's very successful in a creative field as well. Yeah. So was yeah. it intimidating for you getting into the business world? and not having that background, really? No. I mean, yes and no. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I, at no point was I like, oh, God, I wish I would have gone to college so I knew what I was doing. Because, look, I'm all for college education, and I, you know, I would be interested in my children go to college. So I'm not saying, you know, don't go to college. And unfortunately, by circumstance, it just didn't happen for me, you know? Yeah. I think that had, had I known what I know now, I probably wouldn't have done, neither of us would have done a lot of the things that we did that led to, which I think led to the success of Boliella. Mm -hmm. You know, we did take a lot of risks. We, you know, we didn't forecast. We made quick decisions and it really did help us. It helped us pivot in a, in a very fast growing industry and in a, in, you know, a climate that was changing constantly. You know, there was a recession right around the time where we launched the business. And yeah, I, I don't... 
you know, the way we educated ourselves was through, yes, trial and error, also um, a lot of reading a lot of business books, reading a lot of marketing books. So, yeah. And how has your business been affected by COVID, if at all? I think the wholesale side of our business has suffered. Um, but the e-commerce side of our business, it's thrived. So oh, yeah. I think it's balanced it out. That's awesome. And I just kind of want to go back to the education thing really quick, um, because meeting Shane and kind of learning how he learns and how his creative process works, it's so different than mine. And I always just find it fascinating because for me, it's changed the way that I teach students. Like I'm a high school teacher. Interesting. And, you know, if they have the talents and you know, academics aren't for them, but they have a lot of determination and hustle, which I see in you just from even the Ollie Ella Instagram page. Like you're posting hilarious TikToks and videos every other day and, you know, running your company, you have four kids, you're nonstop. That takes a lot of intrinsic determination that people don't have. I don't have it. I'm struggling with all of that. And I was curious if that came into how you parent your kids when it comes to school and academics and, you know, doing what they want and what they're good at? I don't know. I've never, I've never thought of it in terms of like the way I am with my business and comparing it to how I am as a parent. Mm-hmm. In business, I make very quick decisions. I don't second guess myself and I don't over, like, for example, when I put together a TikTok, it usually takes me five minutes because I'm just like, bust <laughs> it out, have some fun. I'm not, I'm not like worrying if it, gonna flop or if, you know what I mean and the same oh. thing is like with Instagram posts you know sometimes sometimes like it takes them you know hours to get the caption right and I just in life I feel like just not taking yourself so seriously and having <laughs> some fun and it's just such a waste of energy and things that you think that you're gonna put so much effort into it's not worth the stress yeah. do you know yeah. what I mean Absolutely. and not doing something great or failing at things is fine and I'm I'm really comfortable with that and I suppose in that respect I definitely push that through to my kids um I you know I'm very relaxed when it comes to you might not want to hear this but relaxed when it comes to schoolwork the important point for me is creating positive associations with learning and you know it's funny because I've got as you know I've got four children two of them are at school age and one of them is so extremely self-motivated he ran his own schedule for the entire time we were homeschooling he's just so like overachiever and then our other child is a lot of work to get him to sit down and focus to you know find where his interests are and it's it's you know it's very challenging as a parent but ultimately I think it's really about just creating that positive association and Mm. you know everyone's got different strengths and where does your husband fit into the mix of the business if at all not at all right so he's so he's a (laughs) stay-at-home father correct that's so Charlie was a motion graphics director up until uh, three years ago when Oliella had gotten to the size where it was really, you know, growing at a very fast speed. Um, I've never had, and again, this is no issue with this. I personally, I just didn't want to have nannies. I had a lot of nannies to myself growing up and I just didn't want that with my own kids. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was working very, very short days. It was probably around about three hours because, you know, with babies and, yeah. and kids starting school. And, so Charlie, at, around three years ago, said that he would be happy to leave his career and really just to focus on the family. And so that was amazing. It's been amazing. And it's just been such a, a beautiful time, I think, for both of us to be able to spend time together as well, because he, he used to work from like seven till seven. We barely oh, saw him, you know. Yeah, so it's no, it's been really lovely. What was that transition like for him? Was that 
easy to do? I don't think it was so easy, honestly. I think he, I think when he had the thought about it, I think I think he thought it'd be a lot more straightforward than he was. But mm-hmm. then also, you know, uh, we have a lot of our sort of identity tied up in what we do, right? Right. So when he stopped doing that, I think that there was definitely a shift for him. And, you know, that we had so many conversations where I was like, do you know what, just go back, like, go back, you don't need to, mm-hmm. and he was really like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to work through this, and this was that first year, and that's when he started picking up the, the passion and the hobby of building, and he ended up, like, you know, he's self-taught himself carpentry, he's basically built our entire house, and amazing. he's, cre- he's found a new passion project that is separate from the family separate from parenting which you do need like you need yeah. to have an outlet that is independent from from the family and so yeah so that I think that was sort of how he moved through that so I'm always I'm always fascinated by that and in my group here in Canada my mom group we have one stay-at-home dad in our group and yeah. it's so cool to see only because you don't see it often so yeah. was the did he get supported by his friends and family or are they kind of saying hmm like this this isn't what we're used to seeing. Oh no, he's had he's had nothing but support. That's incredible. Nothing but support. And I think and he's so he's so proud now, you know, I think he it was just that first few months of like hold on wait is like what's my thing? Do I have a thing anymore? Yeah. You know? And I think that he loved his work so much, which is why it was so surprising when he suggested, you know, leaving it. Mm. No, that's incredible. He's here with me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's incredible. So, Mm. Chloe, you have, like I said, four kids. You are a co-owner and a creative. And honestly, like I said, everything just looks always so perfect. And obviously, it's not. There are, you know, downsides to every day. And it's not always as appears on Instagram. But I do know that you show a very real and funny side of life, too. But how the hell do you keep things moving with four kids and a business? Because I can barely do this, working from home with one kid and being pregnant with another. I could not imagine four children. First of all, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, I found one child way harder than four. What? Um, I feel like, um, yes, I, I found the amount of pressure I put on myself to be the best possible like when I think about like what I was like with my first child like you know I wouldn't I would only do washable diapers I would only like make him his own food separate from us I'd be pureeing steaming Mm. and like the just all these things like you know I'd be the most intense play parent like hovering around like (laughs) making sure I was always like in his face like big smile it's like exhausting you know yeah and I I realized as I have more children that kids really don't need that, that they want you around. But, you know, so much of parenting, I think, is also being able to take a step back and let your kids figure out and make their own mistakes. I remember, like, you know, one of my eldest son, like, him trying to, say, for example, put a lid on something or fit one of the squares through the box. I would be right there making sure that I helped him get square <laughs> into the square hole so that he wouldn't, you know, fail at it. And it was, you know, it's absurd now because I see my my younger my younger kids now failing all the time and moving through it and having their mini tantrum breakdowns and then you know building that resilience through through making those mistakes. So I I would say yeah, parenting for children has been way easier just from the pressure less pressure I put on myself. Have you noticed any different uh, behaviors from your first child to the the other three? Yes, they get better adjusted. <laughs> and then at this point for you, do you kind of just eliminate mom guilt because you say, look, there's no time for this. I'm doing the best I can. My kids are having a great time. So 
can't waste my time with that? Or do you still kind of succumb no, to those feelings? No, I still feelings? have mom guilt. I had it this morning. They <laughs> left They left this morning. <laughs> they left this morning to go back to school. And I was like, I said to my husband as he walked back to the door, I was like, I really miss the kids. And I feel like I didn't do enough class with them. <laughs> and I'm not, not sure if I made the most of the time, you know. So I think we always have mom guilt. And I think we'll always find things to beat ourselves up about. Yeah. Well, before we leave, I just want to ask if you have you know, a lot of listeners want to get into their own thing, want to start being creative and possibly get into their own business. I can't direct yeah. them because I have no experience in this. But do you have any tips or like one kind of go-to piece of advice that you'd have for these women? Yeah. So a few. So first of all, don't start a business for the sake of starting a business. This should be something that you're really passionate or really interested in or really feel like there is a need for it. Because the first few years are really, really challenging and it's, you know, sometimes it, it can feel quite thankless, it can be quite stressful. I think if you have the passion or the love of what you're trying to build, that will get you through those times. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, be willing to sacrifice personal time, be willing to work around your children's naps. Um, you're going to have to let certain things suffer, whether it's housework, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, you, you have to let some things go because you, you really cannot do it all at once. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else. No, I feel like those are the main ones. I think really t- when you when you start off, like as you go reading business books and marketing books will really, really help if yeah. you have experience in those areas. No, Self-educate. And Chloe, if yeah. people want to find more about you or Ali Ella, where can they do that? Um, about me, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but uh, Ali Ella through our website. Through your website. Perfect. Chloe, yeah. thank you so much for joining us today. It was a treat uh, talking sure. to you. But uh, wait, is that website alliella.com? What question. is that website? Good question. Uh, yeah, it's uh, www.alliella.com. That's O-L-L-I-E-L-L-A.com. Perfect. Beautiful. Chloe, thanks again. Awesome. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. You too. All Take right. care. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, Shane, so you believe that, you know, possibly Shireen probably liked you better because you were more charming than me in that call. How about in this Chloe call because... Oh, Chloe probably thinks I'm a total idiot. I thought Lou shit the bed a lot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Shane, should we get to listener questions? We certainly should. (laughs) I think it's time. Okay, so you know the pod's getting popular when we get so many listener questions. So we might be here longer than the time it takes you to put Lou to bed because we've got a bunch of questions, but let's try to get through them. Nice callback. All right, so the first thing we're going to talk about, uh, somebody wants to know our thoughts on the Jessica Mulroney debacle and Are you saying that name right? Jessica Mulroney. Is it? I feel like you're saying it weird. No. Jessica Mulroney. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it Mulroney? No, it's Mulroney. It's Ben Mulroney. It is? <laughs> I hope you are wrong because I have been saying it wrong for years. What do you say? Ben Mulroney. Well, it's an O-N, not a U-N. I don't know. I feel like we should call someone and ask them. Hello there. Hey, Pops. Is it Ben Mulroney or Ben Mulroney? It is. It's actually, you're wrong on both counts. It's like an O-U. It's Ben Mulroney. No, just don't be a jokester. Just tell us. It's Mulroney. Mulroney, you're sure? Yeah, Ben Mulroney. But yeah, Ben Mulroney. Like, just Google it, and it'll show you where the accent is. All right, all right. I'll Google it. It's Mulroney, yeah. Are you thinking about his uh, wife? 
We yeah. are thinking about yeah, his we're, wife. We're recording the pod right now. You're you're a funny guy, Dad. All right, thanks for the info. Okay, bye. bye. Just let me look it up on Google just to make I sure. I swear, the way you say it is ridiculous. I I thought I've been hearing you say it wrong. Ben Mulroney. Not you. Now you've even corrected the way you're saying. It. You said it, Ben Mulroney. <laughs> Hey, sorry. I've totally sidetracked this. Get into it. I can't say where the accent is. Does every name have an accent on it? No. Okay, go. All right. So they want to know our thoughts on the Jessica Mulroney. They want to know our thoughts on the Jessica Mulroney scandal and white supremacy and privilege. So Shane, do you want to start off with this? Because you have an interesting kind of tie-in to everything that's going on. What's my interesting tie-in? Well, where you work. Okay, so I work for Bell Media, and that is a place where Jessica was employed for a show. It was a, a wedding dress show, I believe. It was called like I Do or something. I Do Redo. I Do Redo. And I was potentially going to be doing some promos for that, and I work with Ben Mulrooney, and you and I have both been on his morning show. Yeah. Well, we did an I Sang for Lupus Challenge, which was kind of a movement we had started a few years ago, and he was nothing but nice to us. He participated in mm-hmm. the challenge. And to go any further than that would be me just exaggerating how well I know them. Hold on. So just to add context, because I know a lot of listeners are in the U.S. And this is a very Canadian story. So Ben Mulroney, who is her husband, is the son of a former prime minister. And they are incredibly well-connected, very wealthy, very prominent Canadians. So Jessica Mulroney, who was going to have her own TV show... Uh, and who is, I guess she's been a stylist and things for a very long time. So again, she's kind of carved her own way into, you know, prominence. And then on the other side of this debacle, let's call it, we have a woman named Sasha Exeter. She is a an influencer from Toronto. She is big into working out. She's a mother. And I've been following her for years just because she is so authentic and she's just fun. She has a really good spirit. I love following her. <laughs> and we were actually going to have her on this show. We were going to try to message her to be on the show like several weeks ago. And uh, this has just thrown you know, our hopes of having her on here into thin yeah, air. because she's, you know, she's, tripled her followers. or and I, I Definitely doubled on her I, way to show. She's incredibly busy right now, possibly legally. So at the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement, Sasha, as a black woman, was very, very vocal about her stance on racial equality, uh, as so many people should be and so many influencers were. And she posted one call to action, which I have seen lots of people post, and it was just influencers white influencers if you have a big platform use it to amplify black voices use it to pass on your mic to somebody else and have them share their experience like take part in this movement somehow using your big platforms and your big voices jessica mulroney mulroney took offense to this i guess even though Sasha wasn't calling her out personally and messaged Sasha and they had a back and forth for about two weeks and it was like you know this big argument with Jessica saying hey like the people that work on my show because she was still promoting her tv show during this time like she did the black square post and then she just went right on to promoting her show and kind of didn't really do anything. Everything was very perfunctory. I saw another post she did, though. She did put up a young black girl giving a speech that was emotional. She did that. Yeah, but the thing is, if you you can throw up what you want, but if you're not actually going to be 
doing anything. And I know that's, again, it's hard to police. I I know it it is hard to police. But if you're saying she just put up a black square, all I'm saying is that's not true. Okay. She did more than that. Okay. And thank you for correcting me. But it turned into this thing where then Jessica ended up sending Sasha a DM or a text saying, just to let you know, I've been speaking to brands you work with and people you work with and letting them know how unfair you've been to me or something, implying that Sasha telling Jessica to, hey, stand up, use your voice. According to the story, she wasn't even telling Jessica. She was telling all of her followers. She didn't have any specificity to it. Mm -hmm. That's what doesn't add up to me. And between you and I and the listeners, we were talking to Perez Hilton on a future episode and he told us there's more to this backstory. No, he didn't say that. He said he thinks there is or he hopes there is or something. Oh, well, all right. But <laughs> I, I think there's more to it because it just doesn't make sense to me. But and he- and uh, Sasha said herself, this is a very convoluted story. She kind of boiled it down. Maybe it is just as simple as that. In which case, how do I feel about it? I don't feel right about that. I don't like that type of privilege. Like there's, there's white privilege and then there's real financial privilege mixed with white privilege yeah and you do talking to bubbles at the beginning of the show i do think you do get in a bit of a bubble when you have that much financial security and maybe you you're in a whole world of your own where you actually live in some delusion that you're better than people what she did that kills me she went after sasha's livelihood so like jessica knows like she could do without her show she could do without these things she is so protected financially hold on i know but i just want to say to for jessica i think once you have so much money i think her currency was social currency and having that show did make her feel complete because she had always had financial support i'm not saying that's right no yeah my heart does not bleed for her no nor does mine and uh but she went after again for those people that don't know the situation sasha's livelihood sasha is an influencer by trade this is what she does she works with brands she creates content for brands and she is working in a creative field so jessica was talking to these brands and talking to people that she's connected with because she is so well connected. Or threatening that she was. No, she said she did. I know, but it could have been a a veiled threat, which I'm not even saying that's better. But that is obviously, no matter which way you slice it, so unfair. So Like she was willing to take Sasha and her family down. And any other time period, I don't even know if I would have the guts with Bell Media being my employer to even mention this. But like Sasha was saying, because so many people are supporting this, because George Floyd incident has opened her eyes up, that we should actually stand up for this. It's actually what gives me the confidence to mention it now because there is such a movement and momentum behind this that I think we all need to speak up for this going forward Mm -hmm. to, to show that everyone will actually believe you, stand by you, and cancel the previously uncancelable. Well, I just... I, the idea that Jessica thinks that she can go and talk to these people and be more influential over them and what they want from their brands than Sasha can and that she thinks or she believes or knows she can with her word dismantle everything Sasha's built is so infuriating. And that is white privilege. I mean, as what do you say? Like when it's that's the epitome of it. That's the epitome of white privilege. And Jessica and Ben do live in this crazy privileged bubble. The other funny thing was that it was like, you know, I'm just going to throw out days. I don't know what days this happened on, but just say Wednesday night, she threatened Sasha with a libel suit. And then at like... It's libel. 
you say libel <laughs> you're saying li- libel with so much white privilege she's threatening a libel suit libel libel suit a libel yes you want to call your dad <laughs> and anyhow so she's threatening to sue sasha exeter on like wednesday night and then thursday morning when she hears all this backlash thursday morning she issues an apology it's like you don't just go from one to the other like that's not learning she has she to start putting in at, time she sent the message at 2 30 in the morning yeah like, was she drinking? Like, oh. that, why is she up that late? Or is it maybe it's just well, uh, in her is, mind she's this, thinking of? Well, if all this stuff is going on, you're not going to be sleeping. You're going to try to figure out how to get yourself out of it or whatever. Like, so stressful. It's crazy. And, and uh, very obviously very brave of Sasha yes. to come forward because she only in hindsight did she know the, the support that yeah. she garnered because of this. So, yeah, good for her. And. Hopefully we have her on this podcast, but you know she's on Good Morning America and all these huge shows in the states. Like this show, this story has gone viral, so I won't hold my yeah. breath to have her. But moving on, I, I think we set our piece there. But ultimately, I'm I'm glad this happened to hopefully give more people that are being taken advantage of by people with white privilege and in these positions of power more of a voice to stand out and more of more hope to say something and just think okay i have people behind me i have people that are going to fight for what's right so ultimately i'm hoping people are going to use this as an empowering an empowering change okay the next question is from neighbor sherry so sherry says sherry lives across the street from us just to give some background as i'm considered a senior citizen do young people plan for retirement life insurance and wills shane I always rely on wills. <laughs> I'm not a great planner, and I'm always just thinking, my parents probably have a good plan yeah, for Yeah, but me. have you created your own will? No. Yeah, neither have I. We need to. We need to leave I'm everything. just relying on a will to save my ass, so I'm not planning for my retirement, but I guess I should. We need to make our own wills to keep Lucy and Betty safe. Yeah, I, I'm definitely... a baby that i always think my parents are going to take care of me <laughs> but, but yeah i think my mom told me that uh, you know don't expect nothing or something and i was like oh no mom i don't care and i was like oh shit <laughs> no uh i think the majority of people do plan for retirement we haven't really begun that and i i know we should and this is embarrassing because i know that by our age you're supposed to have like several tens of thousands of dollars for but retirement i think i have like and i don't even really know what this is but i throw it around i think i have a 401k yeah so i think that means i have four hundred and one thousand dollars, right no that might work I, I don't, <laughs> i'm just kidding but i I'm, I'm dumb but so i rely being a teacher on my pension and i'm like okay that's my retirement fund so now it's just like shane putting away for retirement yeah. and then he doesn't even need to put that much in because we're going to have well, my pension. I have a pension for getting money when my parents die. No, I don't know. I was trying to make a joke about pension. <laughs> pen, P-E-N-C-H-A-N-T. Continue. Sherry, I think... I hope this answers your question. Sherry, what's the next question? No, I, I just... I think more young people are more aware of these things than us. And hey, maybe we're going to need to get a financial <laughs> planner on the podcast. We're not even young people anymore. That's no, the No, no, we're middle-aged, Continue. babe. All right, so the next question we've got, how often should you schedule in a date night when you have kids? I'd say as many as you can, but I'd... Try once a week. No, I would say once a month is realistic. 
Once, once a week Once a is, week, you can do a Friday or a Saturday night. Sure. It depends what you define as a date night. Like oh, if true. you consider staying in and getting pizza and watching Seinfeld a date night, heck, we do that three nights a week. But maybe they mean like let's go out and dance and get a babysitter the whole yeah. night. Do that once, once a, a month. month and definitely do it once every two months or else you're just going to want to uh, go cuckoo. Yeah, and I mean, turn a regular Friday or Saturday night at home into a date night. Don't cook, order out, get dressed up for each other, and just be extra flirty. Yeah. Okay, our next question. My two-year-old... You're a burping machine, Alex. Shane, it's... <clears throat> like, I ignored me... the first 20, but this You is... gave me a sip of your carbonated beverage after I've been, like, throwing up and everything for two days, and it just... You know, that's why I've been drinking flat stuff all day. Anyhow, question. My two-year-old gets into more accidents on partner's watch. <laughs> How do I get him to be more careful? Yeah. So when, yeah, when our partner's watching the kid, that's when the kid is getting into all their accidents. Who do you think is more attentive watching Lucy, you or I? I know the answer. I just want to You're going to say you. What do you think? Well, because I accidentally let her fall down the stairs that one time so i hope I that wasn't purposeful <laughs> no but i can't recover from that so even if no I, but i mean stairs falling aside who is more attentive i think i am <sighs> alex aside from that one incident. no no uh, i chase lucy around like it's my job like i I feel like a butler when <laughs> when we go to your parents' house or oh, when listen listen. I use and I know you're my pr- relaxed time. Yeah, yeah, I know. But and I know you're like oh, I'm eight months pregnant, and yeah, you are. But I'm saying when you're one week pregnant, when you're not pregnant, when I go to your parents' place, I chase Lucy around nonstop. When we go to my parents' place, I chase Lucy I around nonstop. Chase Lucy no, around no, it's place. me. I sit with her in that room while she runs around the table and I try to make sure she doesn't drop any of your mom's china dolls. Why do you think I carry a little stop, stopwatch with me? I didn't know you carried a little stopwatch with you, weirdo. Counting the times that I'm chasing Lucy versus you. No, you're not. I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> you are very gullible. Anyway, I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> All right. But here's the thing. That doesn't answer the question. How do you get your partner to be more careful? So Shane, in your I, case... I don't know. I've been failing. My partner won't even admit that she's not careful. So how do you get your partner to even admit they're not careful? Yeah, yeah. All right. I would suggest open conversation, which is clearly what Shane and I need to have right now. And yeah. Just I would suggest good. a truthful partner. You're a little wiener. I'll okay. show you a little wiener. Wait, that backfired. Continue. <laughs> My partner always expects... <laughs> what? okay my partner always expects bjs before sex (laughs) before sex but hardly ever returns the favor should i stop i wouldn't stop i would start talking about what you need like i mean maybe he thinks he's bad at cunnilingus maybe he thinks that it doesn't matter to you so if you bring it up and he still doesn't do it i would say wow this guy's really inconsiderate yeah incredibly so yeah on on your date nights maybe just say hey let's let's eat out tonight your turn baby yeah yeah i like it and then you know what if he's not going to agree to do that or if he can't the things you laugh at versus the things you don't (laughs) sometimes boggle my mind um but yeah no i say if that he you know hears you out and 
understands that you need certain things too and then doesn't go for it, then I'd stop and be like, okay, well, even playing field. However, give them the chance, you know, and have that conversation before you just stop cold turkey, I'd say. Yep. All right, next question. What song did you walk down the aisle to and what was your first dance song as a married couple? So we walked down the aisle to a Portuguese song that my brother played on the mandolin, which was very beautiful. I don't know it. He just picked the tune and yeah, it was really beautiful. Yeah, so we kind of trusted him with that one. And our first dance was one, two, three, White White Iverson Iverson by Post Malone. Yeah. Don't know that song? Check it out. And I can guarantee the first thing that you will think of in your mind is love and romance and marriage forever. Well, Alex and I both grew up playing basketball. Iverson was my favorite player. When I first met Alex, I introduced her to the song. It was fairly new at the time. And she fell in love with me and the song at pretty much the same time. Even more interesting, maybe to some, I, I met Post Malone at the MMVAs, and that's the Much Music Video Awards. That's a place of where I work. It's an award show. And I had my wedding album with me, and I got Post Malone to sign our wedding album. Yes, he did. And so that's that's pretty special. So we love that. Is it a typical wedding song? Definitely not, but worked out for us. Next question is not a question. This is just somebody called Minty Burns saying, keep doing your thing. You keep doing your thing, Minty. And hopefully one of those things is giving us five stars on that podcast app. Yeah, Minty, get to it. All right. The last real question. How do you handle poor parenting at playgrounds? Some kids are pushy and rude while their parents are on the phone. That is so tough. And we've talked about this in dealing with our own friends and being out at social functions where maybe, you know, even our own friends or family members aren't really disciplining their kids like we discipline Lucy. And it's, it, it gets frustrating and you kind of want to step in, but then you don't want to overstep the boundaries. However, at the playground, if the parents were on the phone, I'd like to think that I'd have the balls to go over and say, hey, like your kid is pushing my kid. Are you able to go in and stop them? Or I'd like to think that I would go in and I think I'm more experienced at doing this as a teacher, but go in and just say, okay, kids, like this isn't how we play. Let's try to play nicer and just try intervening like that maybe before you say something to the parent so it doesn't sound so confrontational but just say something nice and kind of redirect the kids see it's different between alex and me because when i'm watching lucy i'm so hands-on i'm actually an inch away from lucy at all times so she you are more like sitting down having a coffee while lucy's swinging (laughs) off the monkey bars and some kid with red hair is pushing her down a slide i'm anyone who approaches lucy and they touch her it's impossible for them to get to her because I'm all over Lou so she doesn't get hurt. Mind you, Lou's two years old, so she doesn't exactly have the freedom and mobility of maybe an older child. So I've never had to worry about this problem. But if I do see a kid who's really acting wild and the parent's not paying attention, I just put out a vibe. And that vibe is I'm kind of judging you, but I'm also overly kind. And hopefully you take my bitch with a smile condescending nature (laughs) as maybe you need to wise up. Yeah. See, I, yeah, I, I always think go for redirection first and then send the vibes or go for redirection with the kids while simultaneously sending the vibes. And then if you try to redirect the kids and doesn't work, then say something to yeah, the parent. I like talking through children like, oh, that, 
that's not very nice of that boy to do that, Lucy. And then it's like, oh, I can say every insult I want, but through the guise of I'm talking to my two-year-old. Oh, it's perfect. And if you don't do this as a parent to talk to your own partner and get your partner to do things, you're missing out. Like, oh, Lucy, daddy wants to change your diaper this time. He hasn't changed one in three hours. Even though you are doing all the diaper that changes. That infuriates me. Shane, it, you're doing all the diaper no, changes no, no, right now. I'm just saying say, like. I'm saying talking through the kid in a mean way to the. That's your, not mean. It's just saying, hey, Shane, can you change the diaper? But in a way that Lucy just hears me calling you daddy, which is, you know, more her vibe. I just like to be directly asked. Okay. Is this. <laughs> this that was the last question. Good episode. We have a slew of great episodes coming up. Oh, I can't wait. I don't even want to list all the guests because it's just, it's going to jinx it and then they're going to back out or something. But well, half of them we have banks, so that can't happen. But anyways, thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 42. Bingo bongo.